It's Tuesday, October 13th, and this is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about player trends and a Week 6 preview. You know, Dave, you wanted a name for... Podcast, the new name. We call it Life During Fantasy Time instead of Life During Wartime. It's not quite catchy enough, I don't think. Well, Talking Heads fans who also like fantasy football would dig it. We we'll get got, that cross section. You certainly got a niche audience there you're working with. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the Talking Heads, though. Um, we'll see. And we are kind of on this quest, you know, to uh, to maybe come up with a. A really interesting name. So if anybody has any suggestions, shoot them over to us at info at drink5.com. Or if you want to uh, to hit us up individually, it's Dave or Jason at drink5.com. And we are the proprietors of drink5.com, where we have articles every week, not only on fantasy football, but other interesting subjects. And, of course, a podcast every Tuesday evening. Been a lot of baseball talk lately. Yeah, well, we are in the Chicago area. Of course, the Chicago Cubs just... Uh, landed themselves a a good berth in the in the middle of the playoffs here. Sure, they're moving on to the NLCS. Congrats to them. And so there's a, a lot of noise about that. But for Jason and I, you know, uh, it, it's still fantasy football as, as usual. So indeed, indeed. Uh, so Dave, um, before we start, um, we are drinking. So I have a Revolution Unsessionable. Uh, I believe it's an Imperial IPA. Um, it is hoppy as shit. And um, mm. it's really good, um, but it's one of those, you know, it, it says it right on the label. You're only going to want to drink one of them. So I bought them like more than a week ago, and I've been just drinking them very slowly. And it's great to have one every once in a while. Yeah, I've had a couple. It's a good beer. It's 10%, I think, alcohol. And so you, you definitely can't have a, too many of them. <laughs> yes. And then we also have... Or maybe you can too easily have too many of them. Well, <laughs> if you have too many of them, then you're in trouble. Uh so we went to the Scorched Earth Brewing Company over or brewery uh, over the weekend, and we got ourselves a growler. Dave, uh, what is it that you're drinking there? Uh, wet Willie is the name of it, I believe. And it is a wet hopped pale ale. Um, I had a couple of them at the brewery. I thought they were excellent, uh, so I can't wait to uh, get into this growler. Pretty good. Well, uh, it can't wait for you to get into it either. Uh, but it okay. is it is uh, week six. Uh, fast approaching, and of course, since it's Tuesday, uh, it's waiver wire time for a lot of leagues, and a lot of uh, hasty decisions uh, are made around eleven or twelve at night on these these sorts of uh, occasions. It's it's interesting. It's around eleven or twelve at night for waiver wire. It's around eleven or twelve in the uh, morning on Sunday morning when you make the wrong start. It always seems to bad fantasy decisions happen during those hours. Well, good ones too, obviously. The bad ones are the ones a that few. linger. You should only ever uh, do one where news has forced your hand. You shouldn't make your decision in that time. It's all about perspective, right? So I, I like to set my lineup in the morning, but if you've said it previously, then I understand what you're saying. You're tinkering. Uh, tinkering can well, cause some, some bad issues. I, I meant very specifically like in that last hour. If you get up in the morning and you take your time and you consider all your options, you know, you give yourself plenty of time to do that, then that's fine. But that's that's how I usually end up doing it because I just want to have the last possible news, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it is uh, it is good to set your lineup ahead of time too, because what happens if you you know get up late or if there's some kind of uh, emergency you have to deal with, then you might be stuck with uh, a player on by or, or some something else you can't rush out to deal with. Yeah, or no matter how many times you check your lineup, you might still have a player on by. Is that is a true story? I don't know what I mean. I'm just saying it could have happened to a friend, you know, a guy I know. It happened to a friend, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. All right, so uh, tonight we're going to talk uh, about a few different things, uh, update you on what happened at the end of the week in terms of injuries and stuff, some waiver wire pickups, and then uh, we'll talk about uh, guys who are trending up and down, and um, we're going to look at uh, some sort of uh, draft results at the end of the show uh, where we look at uh, how high were people drafted and where are they now, and where were the people who are high up, uh, where were they drafted? Um we did that last year. I thought it gave us some nice insights. Uh, so we'll dive into that towards the end of the show. Anyways, right now, uh, the big news in the week uh, for the week for fantasy players is that Jamal Charles has torn his ACL. He's done. Um, are you now used to seeing guys uh, like tweak their knee in a really funny way when nobody hits them and just assuming, okay, that's an ACL, he's done for the year? Well, it's always been non-contact injuries that are that are more, uh, these serious ones are more prevalent that way, right? Because uh, the the ACL is is the thing that's preventing like your, your knee from moving in a way it shouldn't. And generally that happens after you're planting and moving rather than being rolled up on or, or whatever. It's, it's more often a non-contact thing, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, Sharkandrick West is probably the guy who's going to have the majority of the carries over there. Uh, but Niall Davis, who was traditionally in going into the year, like the ultimate handcuff to have for when Charles went out, um, you know, he'll get some touches still. I, I think he'll probably get like 10 touches a game, but Sharkandrick West is going to, you know, have have the opportunity to have a starting job there, I think. Because Andy Reid has said a lot of good things about him over the last few weeks. Well, from what I've heard, it'll be a similar arrangement to what it is now, which means that Davis would really only get four to six touches. Oh, so even less than that? Well, it, it's still, you know, the Jamal Charles. Very fluid. It's it's the lead backup. Um, they also have DeAnthony Thomas, who in Yahoo Leagues is a wide receiver and a running back right now, just so you guys know. Um, and, of course, he'll be more involved now because he has to be. But unless uh, West really disappoints, then I do expect him to be the only person of value on that team. Uh, so you no longer like Travis Kelsey or Jeremy Macklin? At the running back position. Okay, running backs. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Tyrod Taylor is, uh, you know, right now it's uncertain. But there's a possibility hanging in the air that he could miss multiple games. Apparently he sprained an MCL while... Uh, uh, being horse uh, horse collar tack horse collar tackled uh, on su- on Sunday, he missed one play after it, I believe, and then came right back in the game. Um, but it looks like it could be something that can keep him out a couple weeks. So keep an eye on that. EJ Manuel is probably gonna be the guy to take over, right? They don't have anyone else. Yeah, they're already saying Manuel will start. Remember, Manuel did pretty well with his arm strength. He he has really a good throw. He's just not a very schooled quarterback. He's gonna have. Trouble reading the defense, etc. Um, he's not as uh, as mature in the position as Tyrod Taylor is. But if he goes in there, then you can you can expect you know him to try to chuck the ball a little bit because Buffalo will have as much of, of a tough time as they've been having for the past two weeks. It'll be even tougher for them to remain in the games, and it's really going to be on the defense to to put them there. Yeah, they've now lost guys at all three of the main positions. 
on offense. Although it looks like Sammy Watkins might be coming back, which could be a blessing to, to anybody who's under center there. <laughs> um, still, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's a very strange situation in general. And uh, it does look like Manuel is going to start this week. And, and if Taylor is able to, um, you know, to get healthy quickly, then that's fine. But you know how these, these grade one uh, sprains are, it's the same kind of thing that, um, uh, that Marshawn Lynch had is a grade one sprain, and it's couple it, weeks. anywhere between one or two or three weeks. So yeah. with, with these guys that haven't had as many injuries happen to them that are a little younger, uh, Taylor should be able to uh, get himself out of that hole pretty soon. Yeah, it's not uh, anything that's going to take much longer than that. I hope he can come back and still be an exciting player. It's been fun watching Buffalo kind of come out of nowhere on offense, but uh, the injuries have really, you know, have have completely halted them in their tracks at this point. Well, not to mention the fact that LaShawn McCoy is out and still going to be out for a while, right? Yeah. Carlos Williams is still not uh, practicing, I don't think. Um, so you've got Anthony Dixon and Dan Heron, who are, <laughs> are not really doing that much, but they're the guys in the backfield. So I, I do feel bad for the Bills in general. Right now, they, they could use a little help. All right. Um, so another team that is having a lot of injury problems is the Cowboys. Brandon Whedon has been benched. It's official. Matt Castle is going to be taken over in Week 7 when they play the Giants. The Cowboys are on bye this week. So Whedon has been atrocious. The Cowboys really need a passing game. They have a running game that's been doing all right, uh, but Whedon is the checkdown king, and he can't do anything other than that. Um, Castle can actually throw the ball down the field. We saw that a little bit when he started for Minnesota a couple games. Was it last year or the year before? Although we know that he could do that with the, the uh, Patriots. Remember the Bills let him go, though. So He's not that great. I mean, come on. they're taking. It's not like he took over for Brandon Whedon right away. They were like, well, I guess you're probably a little bit better than Brandon Whedon. Uh, so not that great, but he can throw the ball down the field. He's just going to make more mistakes, is what I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think that Matt Castle you know, is going to be worth starting anywhere, just like Brandon Whedon wasn't. So um, you know, that may give a little bit of a boost, like you were saying, to Terrence Williams. Uh, you mentioned that off air. Um, that, that could help. I, I'm not positive on that. Uh, well, Williams, Beasley, we'll Witten, they do have good receivers out there, and they have a good offensive line. So if they could have someone with a stronger command of the offense, then obviously the offense would work better as a whole. But it doesn't mean that that's going to happen. Like I said earlier, Castle was released by the Bills. He was picked up as the backup uh, veteran for Brandon Whedon in Tony Romo's absence. So it doesn't sound like anyone has a whole lot of uh, good things to say about him. And he's certainly not in a rush to be uh, the starter of a quarter, uh, quarterbacking. I mean, yeah, fantasy. it's not a situation that they embrace, but they're going to go with Castle over Whedon. Um, I, I maybe think that Buffalo just didn't need him because they have a certain style of quarterback, a, a mobile guy who um, is, you know, not Matt Castle. Well, at the beginning of the year, right, it was, it was Manuel and then it was Taylor and it was Castle, and all of them looked like they were going to start, and we didn't know. At a certain point, yeah, everyone sounded like they were going to start. But I, I agree that Taylor is obviously he's he's risen up. Um, so maybe you're right; they didn't need him. But I mean, that makes sense. If you don't need him, you get rid of him. That's what happened. Right? He was an expensive backup. Yeah. Um, Blake Bortles also has a, a grade one AC sprain. So in his shoulder, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, although people are saying that he might just tough it out 
he looked pretty awesome last week. So yeah, he played uh, through it last week. I hope he continues to do that. But it may be since they're a young team that they want to let him rest. We haven't heard any news or updates. Yeah, they need to string a couple wins together. And I'm not sure what their schedule is offhand, but um, they've been so close lately. They they need him to stick around and keep growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Demarcus Ware on the defensive side for a minute here. Uh, he suffered a back strain in week five. He'll be out a couple weeks. Um, the Broncos' defense and special teams have been amazing. They've probably scored the most fantasy points out of any team. They've been starting every week if you can. Um, so I don't expect them to really slow down if, uh, you know, while Demarcus Ware is out. Now, this week they play the Cleveland Browns. McCown is. Uh, slated to, you know, have a regression at this point, right? Especially against a really good Denver team. You may not consider starting him if you've been starting him uh, lately or if you've been wanting to. However, I think that this will give a little bit of a boost to him because uh, they'll, you know, it'll take at least a little bit away from their pass rush. I don't know that he's slated to have a regression, but, I mean, he's, he's throwing 40-plus 40, 40 passes per game. That's just, he's not going to gain as many yards against the Broncos as he did against the other teams. Okay, absolutely. So, I mean, it has, I think it has less to do with, with him and more to do with the defense he's playing. Um, it's funny, Cleveland has a chance to beat the Broncos if they can put up 21 points. Yeah, the Broncos cannot score right now. Um, so, Julio Jones is the other big story for the week in terms of big-name fantasy guys. Um, he seems like... Uh, there's an honest 50-50 shot or so that he won't be starting on Thursday night. Thankfully, it's the Thursday night game. It's not the Monday night game where you have to guess. Um, so we'll know before the game starts, and you'll have an opportunity to uh, find a proper replacement for him. Uh, if he is out, this obviously gives a huge boost to Leonard Hankerson, right? He's suddenly like low WR1 territory in that offense. Yeah, I keep hearing he's expected to play, Julio Jones. But you're absolutely okay. right. If he doesn't play and it's still not certain, then Hankerson becomes that number one guy. And he's done it before uh, where he fills in and, and performs to a high level. And, and we saw that last year with uh, or two years ago with Harry Douglas. Yeah, and it's not Roddy White that's going to get the extra targets. He's going <laughs> he's going to continue getting the same kind of stuff he's been seeing. Although he did get a couple last week, he's pretty much out of fantasy relevancy. Unfortunately for those... Of you that might have scooped him up anticipating another year or two of production, that's not the case. So, Hankerson is definitely a good buy or a good fill-in if if Jones can't go. In fact, he's probably uh, still like a flex play even if Jones uh, is going. I do expect Matt Ryan to have a better performance here than he did last week. Yeah, I definitely would still uh, start him in a flex position. And if Julio Jones plays, don't worry about any uh, injuries, just start him. Uh, so running down a few other guys pretty quick. Steve Smith is going to be out for another week. Uh, we mentioned earlier Sammy Watkins is probably going to be coming back. That's great for Buffalo. Uh, Luke Keekley on Carolina is probably returning. He's been out with a concussion for like three weeks, and then they just had a bye. Uh, so that's you know their defense and special teams has already been putting up a lot of points. This is only going to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey is probably still out. That's you know Chicago has been great at not telling anybody anything about. Anybody. Yeah, the so. bet right now is that Kevin White will come back before Alshon Jeffrey does. Oh, that's interesting. Because, obviously, we don't have any idea what's going on. And People who like to speculate uh, think that Des Bryant and Big Ben will have an outside chance to return Week 7. I think it's probably more likely that they both come back maybe a week or two later. Uh, Cecil Shorts is coming back this week. Uh, 
you know, there's a lot of targets to be had in Houston. So he could possibly be a flex start, especially now that you're into buys and injuries where uh, your bench may be depleted. Andrew Luck is probably going to come back this week. Uh, he's been out for two weeks now. Is that right? He was out for like a Sunday and then a short week Thursday game. Um, he had a long time to rest. He'll be fine. They dropped Josh Johnson. He should be back. You know, speaking of Roethlisberger, I, there's, there's rumors of him maybe even starting this next week. Uh, we talked about that play that they ran at the end of the game, the like wildcat formation, and I was thinking it was Todd Haley's idea, but it was actually Ben, ben Roethlisberger's idea. Um, it was hatched by him on the sideline, and then he told it to the coaches who then put it out there. Like, it was his idea just to run it at the end of the game? or Yeah, yeah to go into the Wildcat at the end to win the game. The walk-off. Okay, because they did run the Wildcat earlier in the game, too. Right, right. So they had all those plays ready. No, the, the winning play at the end. Of, I mean, Ben I, Roethlisberger called the winning play. Right. That's fantastic. <laughs> He'll make a good coach someday. I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, also, I guess he had a, a fake cell phone that he was trolling the NFL with. So look up that. Uh, oh, that's great. Look up that story if you guys are interested. It's a pretty funny one. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, so on the Saints, Marquise Colston is going to be out week six. Gives a little boost to Willie Sneed. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. got banged up. There was talk early in the week that he uh, was hurt. I haven't heard anything about it today. Keep an eye on that. I doubt that uh, you'll have to worry about Odell Beckham Jr. You know, uh, Stevie Johnson was out last week. He has been playing well with San Diego. Last week they did get Antonio Gates back, but it was obvious that uh, they were having a really hard time getting the ball to the wide receivers. So, um, well, Stevie might not Stevie come back Johnson. anyway because he he's had hamstring problems in the past. Yeah. Now he has a hammy again, and it's one of those injuries where they're like, "Yeah, he'll be back when he's ready." <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the Chargers are just throwing the ball to Gates. Right. That's all that's gonna. That's all they're gonna need to do. All right, and then Marshawn Lynch is gonna return in Seattle. So Thomas Rawls is gonna take a back seat. Is that a is that Marshall a promise? Lynch. I don't think it's a promise, but it's. I would say 75% at this point. Well, you sounded very sure of yourself, so I'm just, I don't know if you saw news or something. Anyway. I had read early, something earlier, like yesterday, that sounded pretty positive about him. Okay. Well, um, well, yeah, I mean, they say that they're going to have Rawls still in some kind of a role there, but really it's one of those offenses where he's not going to get hardly anything uh, unless he comes in for a series to spell Lynch. That's about it. Fred Jackson's there, so... So right, those other guys never got anything. So you're right. It's just going to be a backup role again for, for Rawls. And in a couple of weeks, if Lynch is still okay, no back spasms or, or additional strains, then you're just going to see that guy get dropped. Yep. All right, so let's talk about some waiver pickups. Uh, at quarterback, Josh McCown has been blowing up the world. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit more in depth when we talk about the trends. But, uh, Dave, would you start Josh McCown against Denver in a one-quarterback league? No, I don't start Josh McCown against Denver. Even when you're when you have bye week troubles and all that. At this point, I have a hard time starting anyone against Denver. I think they are probably the the best uh, defense in the league, right up there with Buffalo and Carolina and St. Louis. Would you sit like Andrew Luck in a couple weeks when he plays Denver if they're still doing this well? Well, I've gotten used to sitting Andrew Luck already. <laughs> so, oh, uh, good no, answer. I, I mean, that's it's tough because the thing about playing Denver this year is that you don't have to chuck the ball. For 400 yards to beat Peyton Manning right now, you can beat that's them. True. You can beat them with your tight ends. You can beat them with your running game. So if that's the case, and you don't need to to score three touchdowns in the air, then maybe teams are scheming a little bit differently. They're going to try to protect the quarterback because Denver does have some dangerous players on the defense, and uh, they don't want uh, anything bad to happen. 
So, no, I'm not going to start Josh McCown against Denver. It's a shame if something happened to your quarterback. In a one-quarterback league, I think that's a ridiculous uh, sentiment. Is he still, is he for sure a starter in a two-quarterback league, though? Because of the way he's been playing lately? Yeah, so in every game that he's played in, he's thrown for, I think, over 350 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> he has Since uh, he came back from the injury. He gets like 45 uh, pass attempts per game. Somebody knocks some sense into that boy. Well, what this makes him is basically like the Matt Stafford from a few years ago when he almost threw for 5,000 yards. It's because he has to throw the ball. He has to throw the ball. So you they should have no running game. You should play him as long as he is playable. I mean, it might wear him out to the point where he gets injured. Or maybe one of their receivers has an issue because uh, his arm's gonna fall off. Well, I mean, he was he was good with the Bears for a while. He's a guy who can make smart decisions. He's not an amazing quarterback, but if you give him the opportunities to uh, to pass the ball downfield, especially in those short spurts, uh, then he'll do it. And uh, Travis Benjamin has proved to be a guy that can stretch a little bit, and Josh McCown doesn't seem to have a problem throwing to him either. So I, I don't like Cleveland to be anything special. But I do see them continuing to throw the ball 40 times a game. If he keeps doing this, then Travis Benjamin uh, is going to keep remaining relevant. Um, well, why do you think guys like Gary Josh Barnage is going to be one of the best tight ends? Justin Blackman. Like, like they were always so good on these teams that have to throw the ball all the time. Yeah. If they were on a team like uh, you know Kansas City or this let's is like that example. Uh, when, uh, if they were on a different team, they wouldn't like the, get Like the Jaguars games. a couple years ago. Right. So as long as he's doing it, he is a good play, I feel like. Um, but I he's, won't. He's being efficient too, even though he's chucking the ball. Over the I place. won't start him against a really good defense because I feel like you're just setting yourself up for failure. All right. Uh, the other waiver wire quarterback is uh, Jay Cutler. Bears have won two games in a row now with uh, Jay back from his one week injury. Mm, I don't like Jay Cutler as a quarterback on a fantasy team in a one quarterback league. I don't really see a need for him. Uh, I don't know that they have any like amazing juicy matchups, and it's almost solely based on the fact that they have nobody to throw the ball to. Well, I think Jay Cutler is a good choice. He's a quality quarterback. He's got a good arm. Uh, you know, that's one of our waiver picks this week. Doesn't mean you know it's a one quarterback league necessarily, right? Uh, but oh, but I, I still I understand that he's as, one of the best quarterbacks out there as a backup or for a two quarterback league. He's a start, even though he doesn't have the oh, receivers. Two quarterback league for sure. If Elshon Jeffrey was to have come back, for example, then he would he would go up a little bit more. Martellus Bennett. He does have Bennett and Forte, and he knows how to throw them the ball. Marquise Wilson was making some good plays last week, and someone needs to step up on that offense that's receiving passes. So I think we'll continue to see Marquise Wilson step up a little bit. We know the guy had talent, never really showed it before because he was either injured or didn't have Cutler or the Bears were in free fall. Um, it looks like right now coming off of a good win against Kansas City uh, that they really could gain a little bit of momentum. And it's funny because a lot of people in Chicago were like, you know, the Bears are going to be 3-13 uh, and 13 or something, which is certainly possible. But with, with <laughs> Cutler there, with Forte there, with Bennett, with a couple receivers... I don't see any reason why they can't do much better because uh, Detroit sucks in that division. Minnesota is not looking as good as we originally thought they would, and they're not passing the ball uh, to Charles Johnson and other targets. Right. Teddy Bridgewater can throw the ball. They need to throw the ball there. So the only real good threat there is in that division is the Packers. And yes, the Packers will beat the Bears. 
twice. They already have once. That's fine. But I still think that the Bears have a really good chance of winning at least six games just because of Cutler and Forte and now their coaching staff. So the Bears will win just enough games to not have a great pick again. But it doesn't matter how the Bears do overall in the NFL. All that matters for our purposes are, is Cutler going to be behind a little bit because the defense isn't good? Yes. So is he going to be chucking the ball to try to win? Yes. And does he have a good enough arm to get those touchdowns at the end of the game? Yes. Absolutely. So he is in the discussion. Now, I am done with putting him in the top 10 category. So he is a quarterback to uh, spot start. If your guy's on by, not a bad choice as long as the uh, defense is not too strong. If it is, then interceptions are probably um, in the cards. So this week the Bears, uh, they play the Lions. Would you start Cutler over McCown in a spot start? Yes, I would rather play Cutler versus Detroit than McCown versus the Broncos. I would like uh, McCown in that situation. Well, best of luck with McCown versus Denver. You want to do a little bet on this one? What would we be betting? Um, I don't know. We always bet on beers. So what else can we bet on? Oh, we bet on barbecue. We bet on pizza. We bet on uh, uh, a couple other things, I think. Uh, I don't know. How about we bet on a um we'll do a movie we'll bet on a movie okay so uh, that's good we just saw the martian so yeah good movies are good right now so whoever whoever loses has to pay for the other person's movie ticket for whenever whenever we decide to go see sure sounds good so um this means just standard of course that it's just standard scoring jay cutler versus mccown Man, you are really high on McCown then, that means. That's crazy. He's been throwing the ball so damn much, I just think it's going to continue. Because he does have a lot of talented receivers around him. I don't know if I would go that far. Okay. I, I don't think He's guys, got two talented pass catchers, I don't sure. think that I can say that Travis Benjamin and but Gary you know Barnage what? are talented being pass one, catchers. Being one-dimensional, I think that it's going to force them to just have to throw the ball in this game. So I think that he's still going to have an opportunity to score a lot more. He's going to have the potential to score more points. Easily. Yeah, he's got to throw that ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at running back, we've got uh, Sherkandrick West and Niall Davis. But Sherkandrick West is the guy you want. Niall Davis is the guy that you pick up if you can't get Sherkandrick West. But I don't think you should start Niall Davis just yet. Well, let's be honest. Hold right? on to him to we, see what shakes out. We don't know who's going to end up being the guy. That's that's like you know choosing between uh, two flavors of Doritos that you can't see. <laughs> like Niall Davis has never really had the starting role, but he did pretty well to fill in uh, from Jamal Charles a couple weeks. Uh, West is the guy that uh, Andy Reid likes better because of the way that he runs. And it's more like Jamal Charles than it is like Niall Davis. He thinks he's a little bit less fragile, etc. But how much has West really shown us? So, Sir Kendrick West, so far this year, um, he's he's only been involved in two games. He did all right in the preseason. He really hasn't shown us anything. He has 12 carries for 48 yards, two catches for nine yards. Uh, not a ton this year, but Niall Davis, as of this year, um, has really not impressed anybody. He has 11 carries for 27 yards, averaging only 2.5 yards per carry. Yeah, but that's not it's not a big enough sample size. The point is, both of those guys are unknowns this year. And, and you know, I'm just saying, uh, sort of temper expectations. Yes, he's going to be the number one waiver claim this week, but I don't think that either one of those guys really has the talent to to go in and try to fill in for Jamal. He's going to end up being a flex play at best that you know gives you no stats some weeks. In fact, I think Kansas City 
almost sputters and, and dies whatever flame that they had left on their candle this season because Jamal <laughs> Charles was the offense. That's true. That's all they had. So, sure, they can pass to Macklin in a last-ditch attempt to get some yards at the end of the game. Uh, they can pass to Kelsey and try to get those first downs. But without Jamal Charles moving the chains and moving them upfield or downfield, what what are they going to do? I mean, do you, do you think that either of those guys are in actuality going to be a starter in the next six weeks on, on your football team? Because I don't. I, I could see starting Sharkandrick West like this week if you need... You know, if you got nothing, but we don't know anything about him. You, you, you agree with me there, right? I'm just saying you're taking a chance. But yes, like you know, like I said, you may want to just grab Nile Davis as a flyer just to see what shakes out. Yeah, you know? I think I think it's just as likely that that uh, well, not just as likely, but almost as likely that Davis ends up getting the carries as well. You might get goal line carries or something like that. I, I don't know what's going to happen. That's why I threw out the Anthony Thomas. I mean, at this point, it might be just as likely that they end up signing Pierre Thomas or something. I know. Like, you look at situations like that where they're unhappy with their main running back or the main running back has been injured. You never know who's going to take over. Like, in Washington, they're not very happy with uh, with Alfred Morris. And they tried out Matt Jones, but they're also trying out Chris Thompson. Well, they're different, they're different positional players, right? So Chris Thompson's a little guy who's like a... Uh, receiving back and Matt Jones is is like a bigger, faster Alfred Morris. But you're right. Sure, but one of those guys is going to end up with a lot more work than the other. Or if they just split it down the middle, then neither of them are. Really well, Thompson's there. never going to be the between the tackles guy. That's not going to happen. Right. But but you're right. All of these teams that now have three guys competing for duties. That's the Giants. You know where you've got uh, Vereen and Jennings and Williams, all of which suck on a weekly basis. Um, <laughs> uh, you've got uh, other teams like Vereen had 17 points last week. I started Jennings. <laughs> I don't mean that Vereen is bad because he's not, but but he's only going to put up those uh, a couple of times. Now, granted, if if there are receivers that are out um, uh, in in New York, they're going to toss him the ball all the time. So yeah. now with Randall, looks like Randall's going to be out. They don't really have anybody there except uh, we talked about this guy, which is named Dwayne something, uh, Dwayne Harris or something like that on the Giants, who was like a WR three. He got like seven of eight receptions for seventy yards or something last week. Uh, guy to keep an eye on. But all these running back situations, um, and I think we've seen it more in the past couple of years than ever before, where everyone just decides to form this committee. Um, what are we going to do about that? Like, how do you <laughs> how do you choose? Is is the answer to not even get in that game at all? Uh, I mean, not that I want to bring up this There's whole. A, the, you know, you have to identify the value where it's at. So it's possible that some of these games, you know, they're going to be driven by an offense that is totally incompetent. I don't see that as Eli Manning this year. This year he is on fire, and uh, I think that hey, he's almost as good there as will be. As Bortles, exactly. <laughs> you know? So I think that these guys are all... Somebody on that team is going to be very fantasy relevant at the wide receiver position. At wide receiver, yes. I'm talking about running back. Oh. If they stuck with one guy, he would be very relevant. But that doesn't matter. It's not, not going to happen, though. And it's a guessing game at this point. So flip a coin and... Well, what I'm saying is... Don't blame if, me. If you have Jennings and Williams, I mean, is it worth it to even roster and start them? Isn't it just going to destroy you like every week? You could try unloading a guy like Jennings on someone, throwing him in with a trade. Um, Wouldn't it be better just to 
Just to just avoid to get the rid of the headache. Yes, avoid <laughs> the situation if you can. Sometimes you find your you look up and you find yourself in a situation that you didn't want to be in. Oh well, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, that's that's where I think you got to trade a little bit. Maybe throw Jennings to an unsuspecting. Sometimes you have footballer. Rashad Jennings, the Oakland wide running back, and he gets moved around a lot. And then other guys join teams. I don't know. Dynasty is a weird beast. Yeah. Uh, but but we're seeing more of those committees than we've ever seen in the past couple of years. And that's just such a scary thing to me. So when you can get someone who's just splitting like a twosome. So let's say like Doug Martin and Charles Sims. Like that seems like a much better deal than like these threes. Sure. And Charles Sims is our other waiver wire pickup this week. He has done very well even while Doug Martin has been putting up big numbers because Tampa Bay loves to run the ball right now. Especially in PPR because he's getting a lot of passes. Though. Right. So check out Charles Sims, especially in PPR leagues. Um, you know, a flex start, a, an emergency start, not necessarily filling in. But if Doug Martin uh, becomes ineffective many weeks in a row, you could maybe see a, a shift in Charles Sims' touches. Uh, at, wide, <clears throat> at wide receiver, we got Jamison Crowder. He's been doing really well. Over the last three games, he has 197 yards on 21 catches. Seven catches per game. What more do you want to ask for? Uh, so Deshaun Jackson is out. Jordan Reed went out as of uh, this week. Uh, in week five, he caught all of his targets. And Kirk Cousins needs somebody to be his buddy on the offense. And that's going to maybe work out for him. I would think that maybe when Deshaun Jackson comes back, they'll have two wide receivers to throw to. Uh, because, you know, Pierre Tom or Pierre Garcon is not any, you know, he's fallen off the map. <laughs> you know, I, I never liked him, but that one year that he led the NFL in receptions, it's impossible to look at that and say he wasn't good. I think sure. it's, it's this combination, though. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember he, when he was on the Cowboys, he was good, too. He was always catching these great passes. He was on the Colts. And it's because uh, he had Colts. Peyton Manning as a quarterback. I, exactly. <laughs> so Pey- Peyton Manning is prime. Well, this is my point. Uh, where you've got the quarterback throwing to him now, Kirk Cousins, who is not uh, by any stretch of the imagination an elite quarterback and never will be, in my opinion. So Garcon then it just sort of, uh, it doesn't help him. And I, I'm sad about that. We talked to, about him a couple weeks ago, right? And you thought that he would he would do well, and he actually had a week or two where he put up some numbers. Yeah, but he's just uh, so inconsistent, and his quarterback play is not is not good. When these new guys start coming in and getting all the attention, then it's clear that like the you know the Garcons of the world just don't have any chemistry with the quarterback. You mean Jamison Crowder? Yeah, I mean yeah, he's been good three weeks in a row. Three weeks is a trend, like you like to say. Yep. So Brandon LaFell, Dave, you were talking last week about how you need to jump on these returning guys one week early. Yeah. Brandon LaFell will probably come back week seven or eight. Uh, pick him up this week if he's still available. Uh, he's going to be, you know, he's going to have Tom Brady throwing him the ball. What more do you need? Okay. Yeah, the receivers on the Patriots are still uh, sort of jumbled except for Edelman. Edelman and Gronkowski, but then LaFell is going to r- slot right up into the third position and pretty and quickly. What would happen when LaFell and Edelman were both healthy is that some weeks LaFell would have the big games and some weeks Edelman would have the big games, but every week they would get probably about at least four receptions each. Uh, so I think he becomes uh, like a wide receiver two or three on your team with Brady being so powerful on the middle finger tour. You know, I, I think that 
It's what it is. Sure. When he's out there throwing for 350 yards a game, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think that LaFell is a great, great option. But, yeah, the most important thing is, like you mentioned, you need to pick up the players a week before anybody else thinks about it. Or else you're never going to get them unless you're in a weak sauce league. Uh, and if you're in a weak sauce league, then, then just dominate. Then you might as well just you should be winning already. You don't need our help. <laughs> uh, so at tight end, you've got Jacob Tammy in Atlanta. Um, especially if Leonard Hankerson is a little banged up, which he may or may not be. If Julio Jones plays or not, you know, it, it, if Matt Ryan doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to, then Jacob Tammy is going to be the only guy there. So there aren't a ton of great options at tight end this week. Antonio Gates is already going to be gone. Gary Barnage is probably already going to be gone, but take those guys if they're still available. Yeah, Tammy had 8 out of 10 targets uh, secured for 94 yards last week. That's solid, especially PPR. Yep, I mean, maybe he won't get a touchdown, but he's still going to be a very solid play, especially in PPR. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all the touchdowns on that team are currently reserved for Devonta Freeman. Uh, At kicker, Robbie Gold. Uh, he's done very well lately. He's only owned in 23% of leagues still. Uh, The Bears have shown that they can... uh, you know, move the ball. Um, Jay Cutler is playing playing well again. So uh, they seem like the kind of team that can move the ball, move the ball, and then will stall out. I see you having a really hard time putting like like positive adjectives in the same sentence as Jay Cutler. Well, we went over this. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Jay Cutler now that I have a smoker and I've named it Jay Cutler. You have to expound on that. I don't really understand. You know, an electric smoker uh, to cook food in. You know, and I think everyone is familiar with the Smoke and Jay Cutler meme. Smoke and Jay Cutler. Okay, well, if you haven't heard of that, again, look that up. Look at the Smoke and Jay Cutler Tumblr. But I'm telling you, the the cool thing from last week was the fake cell phone bit by Roethlisberger. I need to look that up. (laughs) All right, so... uh, He's got all this time on his hands. (laughs) (laughs) He's coming up with all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, it's good. So for the DST, the Atlanta Falcons... um, also check and see if people drop Carolina, put in a claim for them. Um, any other defenses that you really like this week, Dave? What's your top-rated defense? I know they probably won't be available on the waiver wire, but... Um, well, let me look up my list. Okay. You were talking about uh, kickers. Did you have a, a wonderful kicker pick? Well, as, <laughs> as a waiver pickup, you got Robbie Gold because he's only owned in 23... 23- percent of leagues Robbie Gold Robbie Gold so but like a kicker obviously you've got Gaskowski you've got Brandon McManus uh but Robbie Gold is your number five kicker this week yeah I do like gold against Detroit because I think they'll be scoring some points but they're not always going to be able to get to the end zone because of wide receiver woes so Mm -hmm. I do see some field goals from one of the best kickers in the league uh also another great choice that I think uh is going to be pretty big is uh, is Chandler Catanzaro from Arizona because as much as I would like Pittsburgh to beat the Cardinals, I have a feeling that although their defense is sort of picking up a little bit, you know, they just played San Diego, Arizona's going to be able to move the ball a little bit easier. Bruce Arians already has some insight into Pittsburgh. Granted, uh, Dick LeBeau is not Bruce the Arians defensive is coming coordinator. coming home and winning, I think. It's not the defensive coordinator anymore. So It is a different defense. Yeah, so Are they going to get Ryan Chazier back this week? I, I believe so. I think he was almost ready to play last week. Okay. So we'll see. But but what I'm saying is I think Catanzaro is a great field goal kicker. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities to do that. Uh, because Arizona can move the ball really well, but they're not going to score on every single series. So uh, that's, that's one of my favorites. As far as defenses... And I know this is always a weird subject to to bring up. Um, I think that 
first of all, it might be a good idea for you to pick up Carolina, even though they play Seattle, uh, which would normally put them a little farther down on the docket. Seattle's given up lots of points to opposing defenses. Seattle is giving up a lot of sacks because their offensive line is not good without Max Unger and the guard that they let go. Russell Wilson is throwing more interceptions. Uh, well, because of the offensive line. Exactly. But with uh, Carolina stacked this year and, and getting even better with their middle linebacker back, uh, I think that they should have a good performance against Seattle. But the reason you want them is because for the rest of the year, they're going to be good. And last week they had a bye. So you should be able to pick them up off the wire. And some people might avoid them because they play Seattle. That's my advice to you. But my favorite defenses this week are Tennessee versus Miami. Because Miami is just in shambles. And they have a new coach. And Tennessee's offense with Dick LeBeau, co- or defense with Dick LeBeau coaching them, tends to uh, get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fumbles, a lot of balls, a lot of opportunities. Turnovers. To score points. They're ball punchers. I also love the Bengals uh, playing Buffalo, who have Matt Castle. Maybe a weak Sammy Watkins. Maybe. Uh, no running back maybe. situation. So I, I think they'll, they'll have a lot of opportunities. And the Bengals have a good defense to begin with. So... Playing against Castle in his first week in a long time playing an NFL game seems like a good opportunity to me. Lastly, I like New England versus Indianapolis because luck is coming back, but man, their offensive line stinks. And uh, New England's defense has proved that it's scoring almost as many points as Carolina is. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, um, so let's move on to the trends, okay? So I, I, I propose a greater gambling uh, bit for this. Well, how many? How many? Uh, bets it'll be. It'll be make? one bet. It'll be one total bet. <laughs> We're gonna bet for one thing. We'll, we'll count up points for all the mini bets that we make. What's your proposal here? Uh, I think the proposal should be that um, the loser has to buy the winner's pizza of choice on Tuesday night before a show. Not necessarily the next one, but just a show, because these are gonna may take a few weeks to shake out. And what we'll do is, if we disagree on something, then we'll. Bet on it. All right, you just, we may just, make three or four bets in this. You just plow ahead, and we'll see what happens in this okay, light, okay. lightning round. So, Josh McCown is uh, trending up as a quarterback. He had 20 points against Oakland, 22 against San Diego, 35 against Baltimore. His schedule is going to get a lot harder. He plays Denver, St. Louis, and Arizona. Um, so, my question about him is, will McCown stay in the top 10 quarterback quarterbacks next week? Oh, this requires more research than I currently have time for. Okay. Where, where is McCown? In, what do you no, no, no. I'm just saying for next week, will he be a top 10 quarterback? Well, we've already decided that I don't think that's the You case. don't think he's going to be? I do think but he will But we've already be. bet on that, basically. Uh, okay, so then we'll pass on the first one. <laughs> I don't know why you like McCown so much. I, I get that he's throwing the ball a lot. He's playing Denver. Fine. I, I, that's He will not be a top 10 quarterback this week. That is fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Blake Bortles, he's also trending up. So he scored 17 points at New England, 19 points at Indy, 29 points at Tampa Bay. Uh, you sense a theme there? He's done very well and improved while playing on the road. He has a shoulder sprain. That That's going to hurt. So I'm not going to bet on a guy with uh, an injury. So you don't think he's going to put up over 21 points against Houston? I can't make that bet. No. I mean, I love Bortles. I'm not playing them this week because I don't play people that have injuries going into a week. I only play them after I see how they did with them. 
uh, unless their name is Julio Jones. In, w- <laughs> in which case, they have, to have certain names. In which case, I'm still going to plot him in there. But but no, I can't do it. I mean, he's got a grade one strain uh, or grade one sprain, so that means that uh, he he could maybe be injured to the point where he should be sitting out, but he's not going to because he feels like uh, he has to be out there and playing. So I just can't start somebody that has an injury like that, especially at the quarterback position. You have a shoulder injury, and you're going to be throwing the ball that many times? Like, I just don't see it. I can't do it. So, presuming he's healthy, just a hypothetical then, uh, he has Houston, Buffalo, and the Jets. So, that could be tough. Uh, do you think that he can continue uh, trending up, you know, keeping up his good uh, point totals if he's healthy? It depends if you're talking about garbage time or if this is actual, like, you know, attacking the defense, beating the secondary. Well, we don't differentiate necessarily. At the end of the day, it just matters how many points they're going to put up. I think Bortles is in for a little bit of a, a, a what do you call it? A like garbage time boost? Back to the mean a little bit, you know? Oh, a little regression. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, you, you just talked about the guys that he's going to be playing. And Houston's defense has not been amazing, but they do have J.J. Watt. And then you go up against uh, against the Jets, and you go up against, what was the last team? Uh, the the Buffalo. Yeah, so great defenses. I just don't see him maintaining those those point totals. Do you, do you agree, agree with me or disagree? Uh, I mean, look, I don't think he's going to score 29 points every week, but I think that he can average, you know, that 18 to 22 range even against tough defenses, provided he's, you know, got just got a minor injury that he can that won't affect his play. Well we would have to have you'd have to have some point like total setup that that we're trying to get in between then. I don't see the flags here. I don't know what our Well I said our... eighteen to twenty two. But <laughs> no, it's just uh, it's all hypothetical. You're right. Because he's injured, you shouldn't bet on him at this point. I am not betting on Bortles. Right. So uh quarterbacks that are trending down Matt Stafford had 10.5 points against Denver, 8 points against Seattle, about 9 against Arizona. Now he gets Chicago. Yeah, he's been awful this year. Um, He started out a little bit better, but he even got benched last week. Um, A lot of his tough matchups, he did play Denver, Seattle, and Arizona Uh just now. Uh, He gets to play Chicago, Minnesota, and Kansas City, and then they go on bye in Week 9. So do you think he'll, he's going to quickly rebound, put up 20 points against Chicago? Yes, and my favorite things are buy-low targets, and I don't think Stafford's a buy-low target. I've never really considered him to be a great quarterback. I think we're seeing some issues here, as you know. Uh, but I think Kelvin Johnson is a really good buy-low target. Uh, yes. Because he hasn't done much of anything, but that's not really his fault. That's true. Uh, I mean, Matt Stafford can't do anything right now. But against Chicago, I mean, you, you could say they've been picking it up and doing better. Still, they have a young defense that's not very good. They can't guard against Calvin Johnson. It's not possible. So as long as Stafford is not a complete moron, he should have at least two touchdowns to Calvin uh, in this game and, and Golden Tate. And I, I just I can't see a reality in which this game is not point-heavy for Chicago and, and Detroit. Now, I am aware that, you know, mm-hmm. divisional games are sometimes close or, you know, sure. running game gets going. Uh, but I think they score a lot of points in this game. Me too. I mean, hell, Denver's or Detroit's given up a whole lot of points lately. Yeah, they're both not good defenses. Yeah. <laughs> and Chicago gave up a lot of points too. Arizona smoked both of them. I'm right. actually thinking about starting Amir Abdullah, uh, even though he's been doing kind of poorly, just because Chicago's run defense is worse than its pass defense. Yeah. So we both have said, uh, we, we both agreed on this one. 
I also think that he's going to be able to put up 20 points against him. Uh, so Peyton Manning has scored nine, about 20 when he was in Detroit, 10 versus Minnesota, 8.6 in Oakland. So, you know, he hasn't had to go up against the best teams, Detroit, Minnesota, Oakland, and he's been struggling mightily. So I don't know what the problem is. It seemed like in week two they were going to let him just run his offense again and everything was going to be fine. But that's clearly not how it's worked. Uh, they have to play Cleveland this week. Then they're on a bye. They play Green Bay, and then they go back to Indy. Um, well, Peyton does anyways. Uh, so is Peyton Manning eating too much Papa John's pizza? Where the hell has the Peyton Manning gone? Is he just too old now and this is it? Well, uh, people have trouble seeing the signs where he talked about his fingers being numb, not being able to feel the ball. He talked about uh, not having the arm strength that he used to have. Um, I think the main contributor here is the fact that they don't have a very good running game, and they've they've always been able to run the ball enough that the the opposing team is not you know able to to put in that pass rush and force Peyton Manning to throw the ball. Right now, he can't really throw the ball except for short spurts down the field. You're not seeing those big uh, chunks of yardage by Demarius Thomas, etc., because it's just not happening. Um, I do think that Peyton Manning is a smart enough guy, uh, and he's still healthy enough to be able to turn it around a little bit, but I don't put my faith in him anymore. If I had a guy like Bortles or Cutler, uh, I would start them over Peyton Manning until he proved me otherwise. Interesting. I mean, do you, interesting. Peyton Manning got six points last week. In what? I, I mean, where, where are you starting Peyton <laughs> over those guys? Because those guys are scoring more points than him. I, I know, I know. It's you can't do it. You can't start Peyton anymore. I that I don't ever want to. I didn't want to deal with trying to decide when Peyton is done, which is why I haven't owned Peyton Manning for the last three years. Well, that's fine. You don't have to decide when he's done. You just decide when he's not scoring you points, and you stop playing him. <laughs> Now, if he goes back and, and figures it out and talks to uh, you know his his coach and coordinator and it figures out what offense is good for him at his uh, old age, then at his ripe old age, maybe. But for the time being, it's one of those things where I think I'm going to uh, start someone else in place of him until he shows me that I've made the wrong decision. And okay. I, and I don't think after a six point performance against a team that's not that good. Uh, that anybody should be starting Peyton Manning. All right, so what, I would assume that... What do you think? Do you agree with me? I always preach that you start your studs, but I suppose by week six you know who those people are. Well, yeah. You, and you know that the Peyton Manning is not points. that guy this year. Well, where is he uh, You know, in like the overall rankings of quarterbacks? He's played every game. Uh, Peyton Manning is 21st overall. Or no. 23rd overall. So if you're the 23rd out of 32, well, it's probably not out of 32, but if you're the 23rd quarterback, that does, makes you not even a QB2. That's true. Which means you need to get him out of your lineup. You need to not start him. You need to at least sit him for a while. I, <laughs> could, I can get behind that. Until he turns it around. And if he doesn't turn it around, you get rid of him. Well, right. I mean, and how long is that, right? Like, Tom Brady had some real struggles last year right. for the first six or seven games of the season, and then he turned it around and became one of the best quarterbacks down the stretch. Uh, that could easily happen with Manning. Uh, it's just, you know... But that's... You, you sit, it's silly to try and pick which week that's going to be. No, but you sit him so on I your... So I see what you're saying is... Just you, you sit him on sit your him bench, on. you don't drop him. I know, I know. Right, I do, I do agree with you. I think he's too good to be dropped right now. Uh, so, 
well, he's not too good, but he, he was too good. He's earned some like uh, some some cred to. to he sit has on too the much bench. value to be dropped. Yeah, you could trade him before you drop him. Yeah, but trading now would be that whole. Yes, but if you were inclined to just drop him, then you might as well get something for him. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could always trade him for a kicker. <laughs> would you buy low on Peyton Manning if someone was offering? No, I I already have quarterbacks that are favorable to me or I would pick one up. I'm not going to trade for a quarterback that's not doing well. And, and last year I was I would have done the same thing. Even though Brady got better, I could never just say that he would get better and trade for him on the merits of his previous years. I can only play the guys that I think are are doing well right now. Okay. Uh so will his downward trend continue in Cleveland and will it be under 16 points? Well, Cleveland's not an easy secondary to play against. Uh, and I I know it's going to be tough for them, especially if they can't get the running game going. So under 16 points. Sure. All right, I'm going to go over 16. I think that he's Peyton Manning. He's going to figure out a way to do it. He loves the Peyton Manning. You love old quarterbacks. You love McCown and, and Manning. You're probably a Breeze supporter from way back. Way back. Is Breeze going to do better? Uh, probably not. <laughs> So running backs that are trending up, Doug Martin had four points against Houston, thirty-three point or twenty points against Carolina, and thirty-three point eight versus Jacksonville this past week. Now he's on bye, uh, so you don't get to start him this week. And you know um, they play Washington, which has a great run defense. Atlanta has a terrible run defense, and then the Giants, who have a mediocre run defense. Uh, so Martin is kind of famous for being. All or nothing, right? Like, he gets uh, most of his points in a couple of games each year. Um, yeah. So, do you think that there's any way to predict which weeks he's going to do it? If we were to predict it, then obviously we would take those run defenses uh, and how the team was going to scheme and say that if uh, the run defense is bad and he's out there as a the lead back, it's more likely that he'll have more yards and touchdowns versus that team. Uh, but I find that, you know, he's... He's getting a lot of his touchdowns, not in like really long breaking runs, but in sort of goal line situations when Tampa Bay is able to move the ball down the field. I have a hard time with Tampa Bay in general because they've got Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans, two great receivers that they're really not giving the ball to as much as they should. Uh, is that Jameis Winston's fault? I mean, I don't know. With a rookie quarterback, it's so hard for me to figure out what's going on there. So. Yeah. I'm going to say it's a complete toss-up, and it's not possible for us to predict which games Doug Martin has that are big and which are small. But I do think that throughout the rest of the season, if he continues to uh, look the same way, he'll have at least two more games where he scores 20 points or more. I just don't know which ones they are. (laughs) It's hard for me to put him in because he can easily go back to that six-point game where he gets 60 yards and nothing else. Yeah, he's kind of back to the whole... To the four and a half yards per carry instead of three and a half that he had been the last two years when he kind of stunk. Uh, so he does seem like he has a little bit of that rookie year form to uh, his game right now. But, you know, his game is far too inconsistent. Uh, the only thing that I think is going for him right now is that Tampa Bay is struggling. They have a rookie quarterback. They want to run the ball a lot. They want to establish a good running game. So Lovey Smith is just going to, force the ball to Doug Martin. And he's going to have 20 carries per game going forward, I think. Yep, it's Martin and Sims, and I do like that he's he's giving Sims a lot as well. So I think Sims gets like 10 touches a game too, and they're just going to continue to do that because it works out. 
Right. It's it's working for him. And so I think that he's trending up, obviously. You said he went from like 4 to 20 to 33 or something. So if a player is trending up like that, you have to play him. I have uh, Doug Martin on, on one of my teams. I can't play him this week. They're on bye, right? Correct. But uh, the following week, if I don't have better on my roster, I will definitely put Martin in the lineup because he is doing well. Yeah. It is hard for me to not do that. It's also hard for me to own Doug Martin in a league, and I had to do it <laughs> because he ended up coming to me at like he you. at like the 10th round or something. Yeah, I wish I would have started him last week, but you can't always... Uh predict those things the games that they have won uh, he had 21 and 24 carries and two of their losses he had only 14 and 11 carries so it's clear that if they're going to be successful they know they need to give the ball to martin a lot and i think that that's going to happen so i think he'll be a solid flex start at least for the rest of the year well he trends up at this point you start him until he does poorly but like we've said he's going to do poorly and well, you know, in alternating games. With one bad game, do you just stop playing him or do you need to stick with him? I'll tell you what I'll do. What I'll do on my team, uh, anyway, and you, you guys can, of course, do whatever you want with your guys. But after a big performance like that, a three-touchdown performance, I've been fielding a couple of trade offers, and that's the kind of thing that I like to do with these guys. If they're boomer bust and they have a huge game, that is the time to strike, especially if it's a bye week. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this guy sell, is doing nothing for me. Sell high on Doug Martin. Do you think Doug Martin's going to be like a top five running back at the end of the year? Because I don't. Uh, however, I think that he could be just like you predicted, a very up and down guy that that has games that are really good, and his floor might you know be six or seven points. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the consistency I'm looking for. So sell him. That's what I say. Sell him. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So Justin Forsett also trending up, uh, two point nine points against Cincinnati. 15 points at Pittsburgh, 23 points against Cleveland. So he started off very slow this year. Last couple games, he's really performed where we expected he would be when he was drafted, sort of living up to his ADP. You know, he sprained his ankle. I was not aware of that. He is did. Is it bad? No, it's not bad. Okay. But uh, it is something to be aware of. Is that what made him score more points? <laughs> no. I- I'm just saying uh, that there are some people out there that have uh, some guys on the waiver like Javorius Allen uh, and was it Javorius and Buck Allen? Buck Allen, yeah. Buck Allen and Javorius something. No, no, no. It's oh, it's Javorius Buck Allen. But they do have another. Oh, his nickname uh, is Buck. That's th- right. They, there is another <laughs> running back there. Uh, it's like Jerkowitz or something like that. Yeah. So Jerkich. So people are are talking those guys up if he's not able to go. We're not sure yet. We're going to know tomorrow. So pay attention to the news. But let's go back to what you're saying. Forsett has been trending up. Yeah. Yeah, so he does have upcoming games at San Francisco, not great. At Arizona, very good. At home against San Diego, that'll be a great matchup for Justin Forsett. Uh, his you know, matchups are hit or miss for the most part, but I think that he's probably going to be an every week starter. That's where you drafted him. Um, you know, Is this going to be more like if Flacco does well, then Forsett can do well, or is Forsett going to be able to kind of hold up his end all by himself? I am am not completely sold on Justin Forsett, but obviously did well last year and is starting to do well again. So as long as Baltimore doesn't just crumble around him, I expect him to be uh, running back one, at least in the conversation. So yeah, I mean, I guess I'm saying he should be fine as long as he's, you know, healthy and equipped to, uh, to run. 
Yep. All right. So uh, guys trending down. Latavius Murray had 21 points at Cleveland and then only six in Chicago, 5.7 versus Denver. Uh, I understand that he's not going to do great against Denver. They have a good defense, but they should have done more with him against Chicago. He has been benched, sort of. You know, According to them, it's injury, but it's kind of clear since it's been two weeks in a row that it's kind of a benching in the second half of each game over the last two weeks. They are on bye this week, so maybe they'll kind of work out whatever it is that's been going on over there, whether it is an injury or not. Um, so then they play San Diego, the Jets, and Pittsburgh. So San Diego and Pittsburgh both are susceptible to the run. Uh, the Maybe at that point Pittsburgh will have it more figured out. Uh, the Jets, um, you know, they're a solid defense. Uh, but, you know, this upcoming matchup with San Diego after the bye, that should definitely be kind of the litmus test for Latavius Murray. If, if once again, he only scores like five points in that game with a good matchup, do you need to start sitting him? Well, they're saying shoulder injury. Like you said, it could be just they're saying that because they aren't liking his style of play or whatever. I don't believe that. I think that, you know, he is going to be a guy that's there for the long haul. I think you think that too. Yeah. Um, I don't I know. That. I don't know what the issue is, but he is saying he's playing through pain. They're trying to figure it out. Oakland knows they're not going to suddenly make the playoffs and and you know drive towards the Super Bowl this year or anything. So they have the ability, the luxury, uh, I guess, to to be able to not start their new guys if they if they have to. Uh, I haven't seen him fumbling a whole bunch of stuff or anything, so I I don't think that it's a terrible situation. I don't know that he's getting Derek Carr killed anywhere. No. Uh. Well, I yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, I I did want at the beginning of the season for Roy uh, Helu to be involved more. And now he is involved more along with some other guys like Marcel Reese, who has always been a fixture there, uh, who's always catching more passes in the backfield than you expected him to. Yes. <laughs> so He's the last tight end, or last fullback. He's the dangerous one, really, because I always feel like in my deep leagues, I'm like, should I pick up Marcel Reese? But I know if I pick him up, then I'm going to start him, and he's going to get like one pass for five yards. Right. You're not going to start him the week when he has eight catches and for 130 and a touch. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm so surprised. I, I actually miss the old school fullback position and the and the real halfback position where those guys would line up as wide receiver, tight end, whatever. You know, they'd just be kind of a little bit of everything. Anyway, I think Murray will come back to us. I think he's a new player. He's going through some growing pains and obviously some kind of injury. So if you'll indulge me, we'll set an over-under on Latavius Murray against San Diego at 11.5 points. I don't like these bets at all. I'm gonna go with you though. I, it's not against you. I just uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those weird things. Uh, generally, I have more time to prepare. <laughs> Eleven points. Eleven and a half. Well, that's a lot considering he hasn't scored a touchdown in the last two weeks. Right, but they're a bad running defense. Nine nine when points total, and he's only played one half the last two weeks. So if he played both halves the last two weeks, he would have hit. You know, well then sure. Almost. I think he'll he'll come back out of it. Okay, I think he will as well. Uh, so Eddie Lacy uh, is also trending down 8.7 against Kansas City, uh, just over nine when he was in San Francisco and only three and a half this week against St. Louis. Now, the whole team kind of struggled against St. Louis, um, but he was drafted very high and he's been totally ineffective. He was injured early on in the game. Uh, he only has 41 carries over the last three years, three games, excuse me, Uh and it's a team that's 5-0, and and they're playing ahead most of the time. They're not using him like the you know high-volume back that 
Eddie Lacy was kind of known as over his first two seasons. So, uh, you know, do you think that Eddie Lacy can 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 stay in the top ten running backs uh, by the end of the season, or do you think I'm not stay but make it back up to that, or do you think that you know Eddie Lacy is kind of trickling down the map? Yes, Green Bay's offense is too good. They did play St. Louis, probably one of the best rushing defenses. Kansas City uh, and Seattle, who have decent rushing defenses. When they played Chicago, he did well. They suck against the run. San Francisco, whose defense is kind of full of holes here, he did pretty well. He's playing San Diego next, and that defense is not good against the run. So I think he's going to start getting better. Uh, and there's no reason why Green Bay's offense should not be better than it than it currently is. They, they had a real highlight game against Kansas City. But uh, overall, for the most part, Aaron Rodgers could be playing a little bit better. Agreed. So, I mean, the whole team can get better. Well, it, 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 if Devontae Adams gets uh, a little more healthy and you've got Adams and Cobb and Jones and Ty Montgomery out there, Richard Rodgers has been doing well as a tight end. Like, I don't understand how Lacey can't run well. There's got to be routes open because it's not like the defenders are stacking the box against Aaron Rodgers. Right. So, I think you'll see more of this uh, run game, um, if anything. Uh, against San Diego this next week, I would expect him to have a big game. Okay, so do you think that he is going to be a top 10 guy by the end of the year? Well, that's such a kind of a crazy thing to to bet against. Uh, yes, I think Lacey will still be a top 10 guy. There's so much time left in the season. Um, you know, there's so much that can happen. And it's not like he's been uh, absolutely horrible because he has had two good games uh, in one game against Seattle where he wasn't really used at all because he was injured. Um, so, I mean, it's not like Starks is taking over and they don't have anybody else to replace him. Right. He's just going to take a little longer to get going. All right. I, I honestly, I don't think he's going to make it there. He'll probably be a top 20 guy. Um, you know, good for him, but I don't think that uh, he'll make it up to the top 10. So we'll, we'll bet on that one as well. Um, so wide receivers trending up. You've got Allen Robinson, who had 6.8 points at New England, and then 19.2 at Indy. I'm sorry, 8 at Indy, and then 19.2 at Tampa Bay. So he did have his season high of 27 points in Week 2, uh, but he's getting a lot of targets for Bort- from Bortles, 30 targets in just the last three games. Uh, the possibility of Robinson being a legitimate wide receiver one is, is there. Um I don't think he's necessarily too boomer bust to rely on because his floor is respectable. It's seven or eight points in a standard league. Uh, so he is still going to be getting like that minimum of like four receptions a game, but it's quite possible he gets eight, nine catches in a game and winds up racking up huge points because Blake Bortles needs to throw the ball around because Jacksonville is down. So coming up, Allen Robinson uh, plays Houston, Buffalo, and then they go to the New York Jets. Uh, Dave, do you think that uh, Allen Robinson is too boom or bust? Or do you think that he has at least a high enough floor where uh, you can go ahead and just start him every week? I love Robinson. I, we had these conversations back in the preseason, for example. And, and what's interesting is our rankings right, had Robinson a little bit lower than the expert consensus ranking over at Fantasy Pros. Again, uh, we invite you guys, if you are the first-time listeners or haven't checked them out, to go see our rankings at the website, uh, drink5.com. It should be up tomorrow, I believe. Hopefully uh, by tonight or tomorrow, for sure. But for right now, they are already up on fantasypros.com, which is a collection of 100-plus experts that 
put all of their rankings out there. And the great thing about that website is that you can you can look at the average of everybody's rankings, which uh, you know tends to be uh, probably a little bit closer to uh, accurate, just because some people are up on players, some people are down on players. Yeah. I, I do like to look at that sometimes. Um, but what I was saying before is, uh, Allen Robinson, we were a little down on because if you look at his previous statistics, they were sort of, um, they were up and down. He was a young receiver who had questionable quarterback play on a questionable offense. Uh, and now he's doing much, much better. I think Allen Robinson is an awesome receiver. I think Jacksonville is loaded with talent. I think Robinson and Hearns and Julius Thomas, I think that team is going to click. Uh, end up being one of those great offensive teams in the next couple of years. I don't think that's going to happen immediately, but in the meantime, I think Allen Robinson is on his way to probably being a top 15, top 20 at least receiver this year. All right, I like that. I, I do like Robinson this year. I'll drink to that. You've seen a lot of plays that he does too. He just looks good. He's he looks... new Cecil Shorts. <laughs> no, he's better than Cecil Shorts. He's a possession. He definitely favorite. is. He definitely Shorts is. is uh, Robinson's a WR1. So uh, Willie Sneed trending up 4.4 at Carolina, 8.9 versus Dallas, 14 at Philadelphia. Sneed. Willie Sneed. He's a so, character from Peter Pan. He has 17 receptions in the last three games. No touchdowns. He's earned all those points the hard way by getting the yardage. Uh, he will find the end zone. He'll find it consistently. The Saints aren't completely off the map yet, right? Does that mean the touchdowns are the easy way? To get points? Yeah, they certainly are. <laughs> uh, so is Snead going to be the number one receiver for the Saints going forward? Whoever Breeze favors will be the guy who gets a lot of targets in that offense. Is he going to settle on somebody? Well, I mean, I still like Cooks, uh, but he's obviously not playing up to his part. Um, I think that if, if Snead is the guy that he's going to, and it's obviously not Brandon Coleman, who I thought it might have been earlier in the year, Right. Then, then Snead is the guy who it's going to. So you play Snead. Okay. Uh, wide receivers trending down. Mike Evans, 10 points at Houston. 3.2 versus Carolina. 4.1 versus Jacksonville. He was injured to start the year. Week 3 was his first game. He had 17 targets, only 7 receptions. It feels to me like Jameis Winston looked at that after the game and thought, maybe I shouldn't throw the ball to that guy so much. Um, so... <laughs> They're on bye this week. Then they go to Washington. They play Atlanta as well. Um, and then they host the Giants. So not a ton of like crazy uh, defenses that they have to worry about, but but good ones. Um, so do you think that Evans is going to figure it out with Jameis Winston? Evans is a red zone threat on a team that, that is liking to run the ball with a rookie quarterback who doesn't have it all together yet. So unfortunately for him, I mean, it's just not looking too bright. Uh, him and Vincent Jackson are these big basketball players who who should be you know getting tons of touchdowns like they did last year. Right. I don't they really need Josh McCown. I don't know what the problem is other than the fact that uh, they're just not scheming for them, uh, or Jameis Winston is not good enough in that particular role. Having two really good receivers in that kind of like run the ball, protect the ball, sorry, offense uh, is not good for these guys. You know, one of them, I think, could have a decent amount of fantasy production. But when you split it among the two of them, there's nothing there. 
There should be, but this is a rookie quarterback. I think maybe uh, as the years progress, we can get some more out of Evans. Obviously, he's a very talented guy. But uh, I I think that if you're going to say one of them will do better than the other, then I think it's going to end up being Evans as the red zone target as soon as Winston gains some chemistry. There's always the possibility that they don't gain chemistry, and when a quarterback and receiver are sort of rubbing in opposite directions, then sometimes one of them just has to leave and go somewhere else. Okay. So uh, one of the biggest downturns over the last few weeks in the fantasy world has been Antonio Brown, right? 10.8 at Seattle, 4.2 versus Baltimore, 4.5 at San Diego. Well, I think we know what the issue is here. Uh, We all know that the issue here is that he has no chemistry with Michael Vick. Michael Vick, not to say that he has any chemistry with anyone else on the team, um, but Antonio Brown desperately needs Ben Roethlisberger back. Uh, Do you consider sitting Antonio Brown just this week against Arizona in a really tough matchup if Roethlisberger isn't playing uh, because the next game is at Kansas City. They have a bad secondary. And then week eight against Cincinnati. That is a good defense, but it's possible Ben comes back. Well, Ben will be back in week seven or eight. The question is, will he be back next week? Okay, assuming he's not back next week. I'm, I'm a close follower. Of I propose That's what I think, but sitting Antonio Brown next week. I will not be sitting Antonio Brown. Okay. He's too good. He's too good. Sorry. I mean, too, I, too I, high of a ceiling. I realize that Vic has not been doing very well. He with can him. score two touchdowns on punt returns. But if Vic would just open his eyes, he should be able to pass the ball to an always open Antonio Brown. He is literally always open. AOAB. I don't know what he's looking at. He's going down to Soda Sopa. Obviously, it's easy for us to to look at the you know the forty five degree angle camera uh, and and see exactly what's going on in the field. And I'm sure that Vic is overwhelmed in this Todd Haley offense that it took Ben Roethlisberger a year or two to get. You know, it's not something that can just happen overnight. I understand it, but I think that Brown is a guy that you can't sit. Um. Okay. So tight ends are who are turning up. Really, one main guy, Gary Barnage, sixteen point five against Oakland, thirteen against uh, San Diego. Oh, 20 points against Baltimore. So Gary who, right? Gary Barnage, not Barnridge, not, uh, I don't know, however you want to mispronounce it. It's Gary Barnage. Uh, you probably saw the replay of his crazy-ass catch in the game against Baltimore. Um, well, that was just luck. It was between his legs. Yes, it's not like that can be repeated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he is clearly one of McCown's favorites. Uh, he's put up good numbers against even a Baltimore defense that had barely given up any points to tight ends so far this year. He McCown throws the ball a ton. Barnage is a dump-off target. That's what McCown needs a lot of those times, and he's going to continue to get those passes. I mean, the touchdown pass itself was terrible. Like, McCown was getting blitzed, and he was falling backwards. He just hucked it up into the sky. He trusted Barnage to at least, like, come down with it or make sure no one else came down with it. I guess he did. He gave him a chance. <laughs> Is that That's what that play was? Was McCown giving Gary Barnage a chance? Uh-huh. I don't agree with you. <laughs> I think that McCown was just throwing it into the air, just exactly how you say, and I think McCown has been so lucky lately. <laughs> he's just really lucky. No, I mean, he's, he, he's a quarterback that knows how to throw the football. I mean, he... Every quarterback that plays in the NFL is talented. Uh, I, I know that McCown didn't necessarily think he was going to come back from being a high school football teacher to uh, or a coach to, to being uh, you know an ace for the Chicago Bears for the last portion of the season. 
uh, that sort of turned his career upside down. Yeah. But I mean, now that he's he's or, there, or right side up, if you will. Now that he's there and making millions of dollars, well, you got to look the part, right? <laughs> Just pretend like you meant to do that all along. Yeah. So no, I mean, he didn't throw it into Gary Barnes's knees. Like that's not what the play was. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Jimmy Graham is trending down big time. One of the biggest no-brainers on the list. He had 14.3 against Chicago the week after he allegedly complained and then uh, said he didn't complain at all about uh, his lack of production. Uh, Then he had 2.9 against Detroit and three points this past week in Cincinnati. Uh, So what's happened to Jimmy Graham, right? Is it because he's in an offense that he doesn't understand because he was in a very well-orchestrated offense in, in New Orleans. Now, uh, he runs a play and he figures, okay, where's the ball? And Russell Wilson is still just running around with the ball. This is easy. Uh, they, they lost their center. They lost a couple components of their offensive line. Uh, now Russell is going to be like the, probably the most sacked guy in the NFL, which is ridiculous. And they just decided that they don't want to use Jimmy Graham as a mainstay of their offense. Uh, he's averaging like 5.3 receptions, or not receptions, targets per game, where on the Saints he was getting 8 point something. Uh, if they would target him more often, then he would have more receptions and Wilson <laughs> would have less sacks. Oh, you think they would cut down on the sacks too? He's a tight end. There is no reason why you can't just give him little passes and let him go get yards. For some reason, and you know, the coach himself said, we have to give the ball more to Jimmy Graham. You don't pay Jimmy Graham money for a Jimmy Graham talent and then not give him the ball. It makes no sense whatsoever. I understand what they're saying. They said, maybe Jimmy Graham hasn't learned our offense yet. But you know what their offense is? Their offense is now, because of the offensive line problems, everybody runs forward, then everybody runs back to try to get a pass from the scrambling Russell Wilson. It's a terrible offense, and they're not doing well on any facet of it. So they need to rethink it. And they need to, to scheme to get Graham the ball more often, which is, I guarantee you, what they're doing right now. So they play Carolina, they play San Francisco, they play Dallas. Do you think that he can figure it out, or would you bench him? Wilson is a super smart dude. Jimmy Graham is an awesome tight end. I am still going to continue to play him. So you're going to keep playing Jimmy Graham, but you're not going to keep playing Peyton Manning? Well, Peyton Manning is like almost forty years old and has uh, like all these problems with his hands and you know with his arm and his so, shoulder. So essentially, he's injured. Yeah, I mean, don't you think so? He's been, it would explain a lot. People have been saying that for years now, and he's gotten worse and worse. Jimmy Graham is a is a very athletic and healthy you know tight end. There's there's a major difference here. All right, one one is at the end of his career and one's at the beginning. Yeah. So. Yes, I'm going to keep playing him because I, I'm confident that Seattle will figure something out. They went to back-to-back Super Bowls. I mean, if you can't weather this kind of storm, then you don't really deserve uh, your position in, in the power rankings that you had over the last three years. All right, fair enough. Um, so, let's see. We'll move on now uh, and talk about uh, just some of the draft results. The way where people were drafted, and then what it kind of looks like now uh, at that position, right? So we'll just you know start with the with the quarterbacks. You had Andrew Luck drafted number one ADP, right? He's currently ranked number twenty nine. He's only played three games. He is scoring sixteen point five points per game, uh, which kind of makes him look a little bit better. 
than uh, he looks, you know, in, in this light. But that still makes him, you know, the 11th guy on our list, which is not very good at all. He's below Russell Wilson. He's just a hair above Matt Ryan in terms of points per game. So Andrew Luck, not the guy living up to the number one pick at all. Well, he was he was injured, and then he and then after that he didn't end up playing those games. So when he comes back, I assume he's gonna he's was gonna, he injured those first three weeks? He was injured. He had one big game right where he scored over thirty fantasy points, yeah. and then his total fantasy points scored was just under fifty. Right, which means that those other games he was not playing well. Uh, I think one of those games was probably bad offensive line play, which I think everybody knows watching the Colts, they're having issues with that this year, Yeah. regardless of the quarterback. But then the other game was the reason why he went out, which is he was injured, like, I think, in the game. And then after that injury, he he still kept playing but did not perform well. Uh, My memory might be a little rusty, but that's what I remember. Regardless, it, it totally makes sense. Andrew Luck needs to be healthy. That's why they've rested him for two games. Mm-hmm. And I think he's coming back healthy now. So his very high variation is probably more of an indicator that he will rebound uh, from his current rank of 29 and finish somewhere respectable. Well, I, you think with these new guys, right? These younger guys that have been in the league for just a couple of years but put up solid numbers all the time. Andrew Luck is, is not in any danger of being suddenly bad. Yeah. Right? You agree with me? I mean, he will come back. And quarterbacks are the most reliable position for that anyways. Now, the offensive line is something to be worried about, and, and I certainly hope that the coaching staff is doing something about it. I, I'm not paying that close attention to it. Uh, they are geographically close to me as a team, but but not in my heart. <laughs> All right, so another geographically close team to us is uh, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. He is currently ranked 2, and his preseason ADP was 2. He's living right up uh, to the expectations. He's boring, right? Uh, he's boringly good. Um, over, you know, he doesn't even have that much of a variation in terms of the percentage uh, of his total points. He's one of the lower uh, quarterbacks on that end, which means he's very consistent. Um, Peyton Manning is another guy like Andrew Luck who's really struggled. Who do you think has an easier time turning it around, Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning? That's so easy. Peyton Manning is an old dog, man. Okay. Andrew Luck is a young guy. He's resilient. He's going through this injury. If Peyton Manning, for example, was to have some kind of an injury to his upper body or, or something like that, and, and probably already has and still continues to hold some symptoms of injuries he's had in the past few years, they don't heal as quickly because he is, how old is he, 38? 39, I think. 39 years old. You simply yeah. don't heal as well as you did when you were younger. That's just a fact. Second fewest total points on this list. He has only 13.2 points per game this year. So, yes, I, I, I get behind the bench Peyton Manning for now. For Good now. Man. He could come back, and if he doesn't, then it's his last year. But you know what? They're not going to start Brock Osweiler over Manning, which means that if you just have a, a hobbled Manning all year, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Uh, Russell Wilson was drafted at four, currently ranked number 10. He has played all five games, averaging almost 17 points a game. Has a decently low variance uh so do you think that um you know this is just going to correct itself and he's going to be fine as a top 10 guy he already is at 10 um are you okay even if you drafted him high quarterbacks that get tons of sack during the season tend not to do as well especially as the season goes on uh i think that russell wilson will do better but it's only going to be because they do something about the offensive line 
The Seattle Seahawks are a smart team with a smart coach that can scheme and they can do it well. They have Marshawn Lynch. They have playmakers. They got Jimmy Graham. They have Tyler Lockett. They have guys like Doug Baldwin that are very consistent. You know, I think he'll be okay, but they have to fix the line. And and yeah. I'll be surprised if they don't try to trade or make something happen so that they can they can uh, improve that line because it's just killing Will, Russell Wilson. And you know they're making him uh, lose some more weight, run faster, just in an effort to try to get away from some of those uh, uh, defensive blitzes. And I I feel bad for him because he should not have to deal with this. Not on that team. Not with with those players. Well, how did they get to this situation? I don't, I don't understand who decided that they should trade Unger uh, and like some other components of the offensive line away to try to make their offense better. It doesn't make sense. You don't trade away your they, line. I think that, yeah, I mean, they saw... And you know what's funny is Unger isn't like working out you know, in making the Saints incredible. Well, you know, it's the schemes. Yeah. It's, Unger did well at what he was doing. Yeah. And now they replaced him with a guy who isn't good. It's sad. I... I do think they'll turn it around, but I don't know when, you know, and I don't know who will be the cause of that. So that's uh, tough. Uh, you got a couple other spots you want to talk about here on the list? Uh, sure. So um, Matt Ryan, his ADP was seven. He is currently ranked 11. That's not bad. Uh, he is averaging um, about 16 and a half points per game. His high this year was almost 30. Uh, that's pretty standard for a quarterback, I think. So I'm not too worried about him remaining consistent. He had a bad game last week. You're going to get that every once in a while out of a guy like Matt Ryan. Um, well, that's kind of why I'm not worried that much about Wilson, because if you're within like five or six of the place that you're supposed to be, you can easily get there, especially after five games. It's it's more like the Peyton Mannings, that 3-23, to 23, that I should be really worried about, because that's a wrong direction. Exactly, certainly. yeah. that That huge gap... And there's a few guys with those really big gaps. But, I mean, uh, Matt Ryan has Julio Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a that is a big positive there. Yeah, I know. Drew Brees is right up there with that gap. His gap is minus 16. He's He was ADP of 5, currently ranked 21. He's played four games, so he did have one uh, fewer than, uh, you know, most of the people ranked. However, it's not, you know, all, all is not well in New Orleans, right? Uh, so... I don't know if you should be relying on Drew Brees as a QB1 still. Are you benching him in a similar manner as Peyton Manning right now? I'm not, no. Okay, so you're so you're still starting Drew Brees? For the time being, I guess. Uh, he was out for a little while. Um, if, if there's someone who, who comes up who, who is a better start for me on a week-to-week basis, then I'll start him over Brees. In one league, I think I have Brees as my number one quarterback that I drafted uh, with reservations that turned out to be... Uh, very true. Or I have Bortles, so I, I've been starting Bortles over him every week, you know. But now with Bortles having these matchups coming up that aren't very good for him, I feel like Breeze may get this factory back together. I mean, he is averaging sixteen point nine points per game, so that is not so terrible in quarterback land. Uh, it's just not top. He's even higher than that. He's seventeen point three. Oh, you're right, seventeen point three. But it's not. Uh, it's not like top five, top six. Uh, his problem is, like you mentioned, uh, that he was out a game where Luke McCown filled in, and he doesn't have as good of targets as he used to have. His absence of Jimmy Graham. Uh, some guys have injuries. Some people haven't really. Uh, 
come up to be what they should what they should be. Um, let's let's try to go through some other positions real quick because we only have about ten minutes. Well, left I was here. gonna say we should just leave the other positions for another week because we really don't have we we, we can't give them the 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 proper time that they deserve. Uh, I did want to mention a couple other quarterbacks though. Um, so we've got uh, Andy Dalton is currently ranked number one. Uh, his preseason ADP was 26. So that was totally not even close to uh, you know where he wound up. If you drafted him, then that's great. But he doesn't even have that much variance in his game. I was happy to be high on Andy Dalton this year. Yeah, I mean, he uh, is averaging 23.5 points per game. His high game is only 31. So it's not like he scored it all at once. It's It's great right now. Yeah, the Bengals' offense is awesome, and, and the weird thing about it is that A.J. Green uh, is, is actually not doing as well as he could do. Um, he The Bengals have been passing it around. It's almost like Andy Dalton is an elite quarterback all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly what's happening over there, but it's looking good. And I think it has to start with the offensive line and the defense, and both seem to look pretty good in Cincinnati. So I, I really don't see them slowing down. And Jason... We're not going to talk about it this week, but maybe next week we could discuss, you know, um, where the Andy Dalton line should be because it's no longer. Oh with... yes, we we have officially determined that the Andy Dalton line needs to be renamed. It's now being moved to some other quarterback because it is no longer Andy Dalton. So, so that is two names that we are looking for uh, for you, you know, from you the audience. Maybe a little bit of uh, uh, tips as to which way you think we should go. Um, as always, we'll decide in the end. But well, There's some more, too. We'll do some research and find out where that median lies in the last couple of years. But what are the guys that we were talking about? Uh, so, I think maybe Jay Cutler fits in that in that area. Um, obviously, Eli Manning is a little too good. Uh, Eli Manning has had great seasons. And because of that, he in, in, the, in the Super Bowls he's won, he can never be below the Andy Dalton line. I think that the closest right now is the Matthew Stafford line. A guy who has the tools to be good and has been good, but just looks like he stinks right now. I think a more apt uh, one might be Alex Smith. Oh, yeah. Alex Smith is a very good one. But Alex Smith is not necessarily a prototypical quarterback either because he doesn't tend to throw the ball to wide receivers Alex very Smith often. is as vanilla as vanilla gets. He's plain vanilla. He's yeah. not even like French vanilla or vanilla bean. So, I mean, we'll figure it out, but but that is moving. The Andy Dalton line is moving to another quarterback, and, and whoever that is, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we have a uh, uh, like a last half an hour kind of segment of a, of a show to decide where that goes. <laughs> I think that we could spend that much time looking it over. All right, uh, so uh, that's about all for the quarterbacks. Any, any other quarterbacks you wanted to get into? No, sir. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the show this week. As always, check us out on our website, drink5.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Drink5. Check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash drink5network. Did I got that right? Might work. All right, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher. Um, make sure you check out the podcast every week. We'll be back next week at 8.30 Central uh, on Tuesday night. 